Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 17. Our reactions depend on your actions. Breeze. Year 1. We're moving to Las Vegas, Mia Moore said to the ladies as they moved around the kitchen, preparing Sunday dinner. It was a tradition that they had started as soon as the men went inside. It had only been a few months, but Mia Moore knew that it was of the utmost importance that they remained strong, united. When Mia Moore got the go-ahead from Carter to transition out of Miami, she knew that it would be a hard move. She was reluctant to leave all they had built, but she trusted Carter. If he said it, then it was law. Las Vegas it was. It was up to her to get all the pieces put in place. Upon release... Carter and the men will be convicted felons, which will automatically blackball them from the Nevada market. Anything they owned will be put in the names of their women. Las Vegas? Lena asked. No offense, but I'm not moving across the country to jump into the pit of another fire. We know these streets. Why would we go somewhere else where the cartel name has no clout? In business, you don't need clout. Just money. When we move, we'll be clean. Carter wants to open a casino, she informed. A casino? Breeze questioned. Mia Moore nodded. She was just as unsure as them, but it didn't show. She knew that if her skirt showed, then they would worry. She had to appear as if she had it all under control. She didn't, but they didn't need to know that. What do we know about the casino business? Breeze asked. Not much, but we have friends who know it well. Baraka from Saudi Arabia will invest. I have a meeting with him this evening. While I'm setting up shop, Breeze, you need to liquidate our assets here in Miami. Sell it all. The realty company, this house, your houses. I'm not selling my house, Breeze said, and I'm definitely not selling my parents' old home. This is where I grew up. This is where the next generation of our family should grow up. Where you grow up usually isn't where you grow old, Breeze. There's too much history here. Miami won't give you a chance to gray. This city will rather see you dead. Keep the old diamond estate if you like, but sell the others. This transition will be hard, but I have a feeling that it will be worth it. Lena, we'll need somewhere to stay when we get to Vegas. Think you can handle that? She asked. Uh, yeah. She said the transition will be hard, but I have a feeling it will be worth it. I have a feeling it won't be permanent. 
I don't know. Maybe it's because the last time they transitioned out of Miami, they literally didn't even explain why the fuck they came back. Like, I'm still waiting. When you listen to this, please, just let me know why y'all never followed up on shit. Me and Moore approach her next subject tactfully. There's someone else I need to bring in on this. She paused because she knew the conflict was to come. I need Aries. No, Breeze replied without hesitation. Me and Moore, Lena protested. Look, without Aries, neither of you would have ever seen your husbands again. She helped bring them home. I can't run the cartel without some bite behind my bark, and I don't see the two of you putting in that kind of work. We need people like Aries to do our dirty work. She's loyal and I trust her, Mia Moore said, arguing passionately on her behalf. Bree shook her head and rolled her eyes in disbelief. Breeze, just give her a chance. Talk to her, one time. If you don't like it, then I'll leave it alone. But remember that there's a lot of niggas in line for the thrones. With the three of us sitting on top of this empire, we have to prove that we're not to be fucked with. If not, there's only a matter of time before niggas begin to test us. If everyone does their part, we'll be out of this city by the month's end, and we'll have some loyal soldiers following us. Just let Ares do what she does best. Murder? Bree shot back sarcastically. Motherfucker, your whole family was built on murder. Like, what? She's protection, Breeze, and she's loyal. If she's on your side, she's on your side. You don't have anything to worry about. The days of Mati and that beef are long over, Miamor tried to convince. Again... I'm going to skip past all their grammatical errors because I don't have an extra 35 minutes to tell y'all about when they keep using Dan instead of then. And they don't use commas. Like, I'll meet with her, but I'm not making any promises. Bree shot back. That's all I can ask, Mia Moore said. Now, which auntie is watching Baby Carter while I take this meeting? That's nothing, Lena said with a flip of the hand. You know I got you. Pack a few days worth of clothes, Mia Moore instructed. Lena frowned in confusion. The meeting is in Saudi Arabia. At some point, Yasmin is going to get a chance to tell Mia Moore what happened between her and Carter, and then Mia Moore is going to murder her, and then the casino ain't going to go good. After a long and tiresome flight, Mia Moore emerged from the private luxury jet a bit fatigued. The thick heat that seemed to blanket the air was the first thing she noticed as she made her way down the stairs. A driver waited at the bottom, and he greeted her with a smile. Mrs. Jones, welcome to Saudi Arabia, he said. Mia Moore nodded and placed her Versace shades over her eyes as she stepped into the vehicle. Mia Moore took a deep breath as she rested her head onto her closed fist while propping her elbow on the windowsill. She would never admit it, but she was exhausted and completely overwhelmed. Since giving birth, it seemed like her life had been moving at a rapid rate. She hadn't had a moment to breathe. Her emotions were all over the place, and some nights she barely slept. If she didn't know any better, she would have thought she was battling about a postpartum. But she was a murder mama. Nothing had ever gotten the best of her. She wouldn't start to accept defeat now. She wished that she lived in a world where everything was black and white, where she could be a mother to her son without worry of her past coming back to haunt her. A woman with a body count like hers was never supposed to bear a child. The child always paid for the sins of the mother, and she feared that eventually her murder record would catch up to her. She could only hope and pray that it never did. 
Lost in her thoughts, the hour-long ride passed her by in no time, and when she arrived at the resort, she was escorted to the gardens, where a private luncheon was set up strictly for the occasion. Baraka had a guard waiting at the entrance, and she spread her arms out wide as she was searched thoroughly. He walked up to her wearing a tan cloak and a matching head wrap. A friendly smile decorated his face. I've heard many tales about the infamous Miyamur Holly, but your legend doesn't do you justice. It fails to mention how beautiful you are, Baraka said. Who the fuck is Miyamur Holly? How do they know the legend of the murder mamas in fucking Saudi Arabia, but they don't know the legend of the murder mamas in like fucking Colorado and California and Washington, where these niggas kept moving to? The fuck? She smiled. It never failed. It seemed that no matter their ethnicity, men always fancied her. Men found her irresistible. Thank you, but apparently my legend hasn't been updated yet. My last name is Jones now, she replied, letting it be known that his flirting was in vain. Carter's wife? Baraka said, obviously shocked. Like, you're setting up meetings with her without knowing that she's Carter's wife? Like, you're setting up meetings with her to start a casino when you just talk to a nigga about a casino and you're not putting two and two together? You're just letting random ass people come up in your spot? Plus, she was just in your spot. She just came to your spot, like, a little while before. So how don't you know her? And how do you know her last name? She nodded confirmation, but the sound of clicking heels caused her to turn her attention to see who was approaching from behind. Father, you didn't tell me we had a guest. Baraka extended his hand to his daughter. Miyamur, this is my daughter Yasmin. Yasmin, this is Carter's girlfriend. Yasmin finished for him without a smile. She clearly wasn't happy to see her. I know who she is. Apparently you don't. Also, they spelled apparently wrong. I just want to say that because apparently, uh, A-P-P-R-A-E-N-T-L-Y, apparently, apparently, apparently you don't, Miyamore replied, sensing ill vibes from Yasmin. I'm his wife, Miyamore corrected, giving no smile of her own. Her intuition was in overdrive as she eyed Yasmin intently. Funny, he never mentioned that, Yasmin shot back. Mia Moore scoffed. She wasn't going to discuss her man with a woman that was irrelevant. There would be no playing badminton with snide remarks. This wasn't a competition, and if it was, Yasmin would lose. Mia Moore killed the competition. Literally. You don't want to see any part of me, little girl. Keep it moving, Mia Moore thought. She focused her attention to Baraka, blatantly dismissing Yasmin. Shall we discuss business? Miyamore asked. Absolutely. I look forward to meeting with your representative, Baraka said. Arab men held women in low regards when it came to business. The men wore the pants, period, point blank. In Baraka's eyes, Miyamore's place was to be seen but rarely heard. I assume since Carter's not available, you have a family member, perhaps a brother, or consigliere to do things on your behalf? Miyamore smiled. Realizing the difference in cultures made her presence awkward. Like, seriously, dude, you said to her, I look forward to doing business with you. You welcomed her in for this business meeting. 
And now you're like, where's your man at? Where's the man at who's supposed to... Like, you knew her history. You didn't even know that she was with Carter. Okay. I'm fully capable of handling this independently. Until Carter is free, I'm the only person who has the authority to negotiate on his behalf. It's a bit different for you, I understand. But I think I can hang with the boys, she said charmingly. A woman with such a strong presence was uncustomary to Baraka, and the way she used her femininity to enamor him left him with a stiff one. Okay. He was taken aback by her instantly. He had fallen under the murder mama spell. The murder mama spell. I think that you can, he replied. I like a woman who knows how to get what she wants, Baraka said. He held out his bent arm for her to latch onto. Shall we? She embraced him as he escorted her onto the grass until they reached the table. So you're telling me that men generally run the business, but then your daughter is like your manager and runs the business. Yasmin followed closely behind. There was no way she was sitting out of this meeting. If it concerned Carter, she wanted to be involved. She would do anything to be in his presence again. The three of them sat and ate while having casual conversation. Yasmin did most of the questioning. Too much for me and Morris' taste. This bitch wants to know more about Carter than anything else. The fuck? Mia Moore thought. Her patience was running thin, so she fast-forwarded to more serious matters. I know that you originally had planned to open a casino with Carter. As you know, Nevada Gaming will never approve a license to him now that he has a criminal record. I, on the other hand, am squeaky clean, she said. I find that hard to believe, Baraka replied quickly and with intrigue. Where it counts, Mr. Baraka, she added with a laugh. <laughs> On paper, I'm as legit as they come. My credit's impeccable, and I have no record besides juvenile stuff that was still long ago. Carter trusts me to be the front woman for this new venture. As do I, Baraka admitted. You're sharp and fearless if everything I hear is true. I'm sure that some of it's embellished, she said coyly. Tell me, Baraka leaned up, intrigued. Is it true that you once severed a man's... Don't believe everything you hear, she interrupted, not wanting to cop to anything. She didn't want her reputation to scare off his business. How does he know about the dick cutting? How does he know about the slicing in the cuttery? How does he know about this? If he knows about that, then he knows that they failed that job. How the story traveled all the way across the world, she had no clue. She had to chuckle slightly to herself. She had been a wild girl before Carter had calmed her slightly. He really did bring stability into her life. The good old days, she thought. Besides, that is something only a disgusting woman would do. It's quite barbaric, don't you think? Certainly not the type of woman that Carter would take as a wife, Yasmin shot. Sometimes barbaric is necessary when people don't stay in their place, Moore replied with the underlying tone. My husband can be quite brutal himself when the situation suits it. I will put up $50 million to finance half of the new resort and casino in Nevada. I take it the cartel can come up with the other half, Baraka suggested. We can, Moore said. Nevada isn't an easy town to take over. I'm sure you're quite skilled in the art of war. But you'll need an entire army. I don't have that kind of support. This is where the cartel will be beneficial, Baraka insisted. It's where we excel, Moore replied. I'll write you a check and have my lawyers draw up the paperwork immediately, 
In the meanwhile, me and Moore cut him short. In the meanwhile, you can get the money in cash. She pulled a folder from her Birkin bag and slid it across the table. I had the liberty of having our attorney drop the agreement. All you have to do is have your people look over it and sign. I thought it was I took the liberty. Baraka laughed heartily at her wit and handed the paperwork off to Yasmin. He stood. Please, Miss Jones, enjoy a suite. Rest up. Do a bit of gambling if you prefer. We have excellent spa facilities. Whatever you would like. I'll have the contract and money returned to you by the time your wills are up tomorrow. When you speak to Carter, be sure to tell him that he's a very, very lucky man, Baraka stated. He knows. She smiled graciously. Well then, give him my best, Baraka replied. When he walked away, me and Moore felt like jumping with joy. But instead, she kept her cool. The financing was the hardest part. Now that she had gotten the ball rolling, there wasn't much that was standing in her way to get in Carter's casino. Where the fuck is this bitch? Aries muttered as she sat inside the restaurant waiting for Breeze to arrive. The waiter walked up and refilled Aries' drink. Slow day? Aries asked. The waiter gave a slight smile and a shrug before walking away. Being back in Miami had brought the accent right back out of her. She was in her element and right back in the right frame of a stone-cold killer. She had completely forgotten about the suburban housewife and mother that she had forced herself to transform into. The bitch is lucky I'm agreeing to meet her at all. Aries was losing patience. Breeze was 20 minutes late. Aries had already let the spoiled princess choose the time and place. She was feeling a type of way about being made to wait. If it wasn't for me or more, I would slit the bitch's pretty little throat. Ah, waiting to, for the fucking bird, she thought. Again, okay, she can speak with an accent, but do you think with an accent? Do you? I don't. I've been told I have an accent. I don't think with an accent. Fuck ass. Also, fuck ass is a horrible combination, but it feels great to say. Aries always had a temper problem when it came to anyone with the last name Diamond. She had a bitter taste in her mouth over Anissa's death. Their entire crew had fallen apart the day that they set their sights on the cartel. Distracted by her thoughts, Aries didn't notice the two large men heading towards her. She had been too busy looking for a carefree, sun-kissed, impeccably dressed socialite that was Breeze Diamond. What she didn't realize was that Breeze had grown up and life had hardened her. She didn't move without thinking nowadays. In fact, the place where they were meeting, Breeze owned. It was empty for a reason. Breeze had ordered it to be. She never left anything to chance anymore, and as the two goons parted, Breeze became visible. Aries motioned to stand, but Breeze stopped her. Sit down. If you make one move too quickly, my pit's right there. She paused as she nodded towards the two men who stood faithfully at her side. They'll put a bullet in your head. Do we understand each other? You grew balls, Aries stated with a smirk. Breeze flew across the table and slapped Aries across the face with all her might. Aries' temper flared as they faced off. Jump, bitch, Breeze instigated. Yeah, you real tough with two motherfucking bodyguards and an empty... Man, look. Aries' trigger finger itched uncontrollably as she bit her inner cheek. Guess you're not the weak one anymore. If you brought me here to kill me, I'd be dead already. I'm not your enemy, girl. You aren't my friend either, Breeze replied. She rolled her eyes and continued. The only reason why I haven't had my men kill you is because of me and more. 
Sit down. The two women eyed each other harshly as they both took a seat. Aries used the white linen napkin to wipe the blood from her lips. This is the thanks I get for saving your ass from the feds. Oh, come on. You kidnapped me and tried to kill my entire family. I think we're even, Bree stated. She crossed her arms over her chest stubbornly. I don't trust you. You're me and Moore's people, but you're not like her. You can't be saved. Aries laughed incredulously. <laughs> I'm just like me and Moore. That's what you don't get. Me and me. We're built exactly the same. She just happens to be on your team now. I had nightmares every night for a year. Mati, he... Breeze paused and closed her eyes as the horrible memories came flooding back. She hadn't thought of it in years, but in the blink of an eye, terror gripped her as if it happened just yesterday. Mati was a psychopath, Aries whispered. Not everything that I've done I'm proud of. Aries noticed how Breeze had seemed to fall into a daze as she thought of her torment, and she immediately felt sympathy for the role she had played in her kidnapping. She had contributed to her fear. Look, Breeze, you might never like me. I get it, but it wasn't personal. You may not relate to me, but your father, your brothers, me and more, they all can. We're killers, Breeze. We live the street life. We live by the gun, we die by the gun. We don't think about the target, we just do the job. It was about the money, not about you. Why'd you help set up the prosecuting attorney? Breeze asked, slightly rattled as her hand shook. Those old memories haunted her. She had forgotten the impact that they had over her until now. Because Mia Moore loves your brother, and I love her. She's my sister. She needed my help. I was out of the life. I have a son. I have moved on and prayed for forgiveness for all the lives I helped destroy. But loyalty ties me to Mia Moore. I'm a murder mama, and you don't walk away from that. She's aligned with you now. I don't like it. Your family took from me. From Mia, too. We lost someone we love from a bullet that your brother fired. A war has two sides, Breeze. Your family's far from innocent. You just happen to be the only good one caught in the middle, Aries schooled. I don't trust you. Bree said clearly, not mincing words. Trust is earned. The feeling is mutual, Aries replied frankly. Bree stood up from the table and leaned over Aries. How do I know you won't cross my family as soon as we let you on the inside? Me and Mara may be your family now, but she was my family first. I would never hurt her. Some loyalty, you just don't break, Aries said. Breeze grabbed her Louis Vuitton and turned on her heels. Bring your son by the house. If your family and Mia Morris, he may as well meet his cousins. Monroe has a young son he can play with. She began to walk away but stopped again. I still don't like your ass though, and I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. If I even feel like you're plotting on anyone I love, I'll have you put down like the rabbit beast you are. They didn't even put like. They just said, I'll have you put down the rabbit beast you are. Touche. Aries responded, we all had that one family member that we can't stand. Guess I'm the black sheep. A truce had just been called. Aries was just the experienced gun that Mia Moore would need to help her conquer a new city. Las Vegas wasn't ready for the type of tyranny that the cartel was about to bring. The abandoned warehouse was eerily silent as Mia Moore stood, staring out over the 50 men she had assembled. 
It had taken a bit of time to weed through the massive following that their organization had. From runners to shooters to the cook-up crew, me and Moore had observed them closely and cut the fat from the bone. Only the most thorough, the most gangster, the most loyal had been chosen. Now they stood before her for one specific reason, to witness her gangster so they would never test it. This was a town hall meeting in a sense. With a change of leadership, new laws needed to be laid down, and she wanted to make sure there was no confusion. She could see the skepticism in their eyes as they looked at the women who stood before them. Breeze and Lena were at her side. They were aesthetically gorgeous, and the men were distracted. They were too busy ogling over them. Yes, they were beautiful, but to cross them would be deadly. Me and Moore needed that point to be made here and now. The cartel is transitioning out of Miami. Las Vegas is the next move, gentlemen, and there's a place for each of you if you choose to accompany us as we head out west. Carter, Zaire, and Monroe are still very much the heads of this organization. Consider us their mouthpieces. If you had loyalty to them, we have now inherited that. If that's a problem, leave now because treachery will not be tolerated. There is a punishment for going against the grain, Mia Moore said. The doors behind her audience clanged open as four hooded figures were escorted in at Ares' gunpoint. The sniffling cries underneath revealed that there were women underneath. Mia Moore pointed up to the sky, where four men stood on rafters, a noose hanging around each of their necks. The women were lined up in front of Mia Moore, and as she walked past each of them, she snatched the hood off their heads. These women have done nothing wrong. Their only crime is marrying snitch-ass niggas who folded under pressure instead of standing tall. The case that was brought against us was held up on the backs of those men, Mia Moore stated as she pointed up to the sky where Fly Boogie was waiting for her signal. Their testimonies helped the DEA to gather evidence against us. I don't show mercy. Anyone that professes loyalty to the cartel and then betrays us in any way will pay. I don't give a fuck about your wife, your kids... They'll either suffer or be rewarded, depending on your allegiance. She looked up at the sniffling men. Jump, she ordered. Breeze turned her head, and Lena just stared off into space as the men plunged from the rafters. The sound of them struggling to breathe as their bodies fought against the inevitable was sickening, and it took everything in them not to flinch. This was the part of the game that they had not been exposed to. This was how the money was made. Order had to be established, or anarchy would occur. The gruesome details had always been hidden from them, but Mia Moore knew the real. She knew that the necessary had to occur, but since becoming a mother, something in her had changed. She had no sympathy for the men who had chosen their fates, but the women in front of her had done no wrong. Their only offense had been falling in love with the wrong kind of man. They were probably mothers, just like she was. Her heart silently ached for them, but her face showed no emotion as she turned to Ares too and gave the nod. Ares went down the line, one bullet each, to the back of the heads of the women. The men shifted uncomfortably in their seats as they watched the cold-hearted sight. Your family can either eat with us or die at our hands. It's all up to you. Out of nowhere, Bree stepped up and began to speak. We do not enjoy murder, she said, her voice a bit shaky. She paused to stifle her fear before she continued. But it's a part of the game that we all know exists. My father, Carter Diamond, ruled with love, and because of that, he found himself in an early grave. 
My brother Mecca ruled with fear, and he too met the same fate. So we will rule with both. Our reactions depend on your actions. Act accordingly, and you can all avoid putting on those black suits. There's no need for flower bringing. Loyalty is all we ask. Breeze looked over at Ares. Choose a few men and clean this mess up. We'll cover the funeral expenses. Me and Moore smirked as Breeze walked out of the room. She was like a proud mama because although Breeze didn't like it, she had finally come into her own. Maybe she can help me run this thing after all, me and Moore thought. We depart for Vegas at the end of the month. We'll be in touch. She walked out and Lena followed suit as their stilettos clicked on the concrete floor as they made their exit. If they're both there, if they're all three there, who's watching the babies? Nine times out of ten, that would be a sexist-ass statement, but every single time that they'd gone to an event or something like that, somebody stayed behind to watch the children. When they went to Saudi Arabia, Bree stayed back. When me and Moore went to Saudi Arabia again, Lena watched Carter Jr. So I didn't think they trusted people enough to watch the kids without them. Mia Moore's conscience had never played tricks on her, but she couldn't get the faces of the women she had ordered killed out of her mind. As she sat in her son's nursery, watching over him as he slept, she wondered how many kids were now motherless because of her. Mia Moore was evolving. Ever since she had given birth and Carter went away, she had been experiencing a vulnerability that was so foreign to her. She heard the ringing of her phone, and she quickly answered it, to stop the sound from waking up her son. Fly boogie? She said in surprise as she checked the time. It was nearly 3 a.m. Did something go wrong? She asked. Nah, nothing like that. I'm at your door. I didn't want to ring the bell. Last time I did that, you stuck a gun in my face, he said. I kind of light my face. She could hear a smile and she shook her head as one melted across her face too. He had a way with her. He reminded her of what it was like to be young, reckless, brave. I'll be down. She eased out of her son's room and hustled to the front door. She checked the peephole to make sure Fly Boogie was alone. She paused because a part of her knew she should send him away. Whatever he wanted could wait until morning, but she didn't want to. Remind me again why you're at my door this late again? What's with the redundancies? They removed the hood. The the people's heads were underneath the hoods that the heads were underneath. They removed the hoods underneath the heads that were underneath the hoods. Remind me of why you're at my door again, this late again. Remind me again, why you're here again, 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 again. The bodies were taken care of, Fly stated. She wagged a finger as she raised an eyebrow. You talk reckless, she replied. Take off your jacket and lift your shirt. You think I'm police, ma? He asked, I just put eight people in the ground for you for turning such evidence, and you think I'd turn around and set you up? She didn't respond. She just looked at him as he sucked his teeth and lifted his shirt, revealing his toned abdomen. She eyed the V-cuts in his pelvis and the forty-five he had tucked in his waist as she pursed her lips. Fly Boogie was young and thugging it. She remembered the good old days when she found his carefree attitude appealing. Satisfied? He asked. She nodded. You have blood on you, she said. That's because I put in work. Don't insult me, Ma. I never switch up on you, Fly Boogie stated seriously. She pinched the bridge of her nose, feeling conflicted. Sorry, I'm tripping. 
I don't know what's wrong with me. I've never felt remorse after murking anybody, but tonight it made me sick to my stomach. She didn't know why she was telling him this. Perhaps she needed to vent. Carter was usually her listening ear, the one person that she could express her true feelings to. With him gone, she had so much pent-up emotion that it felt like she would burst. You're human. It can't be easy being a woman and in your position, he said. I know you're official and everything, but you don't got to be tough all the time. Come on, she said as she started down the hall. Let's clean you up. They walked into a bathroom and she wiped a towel with hot water and wiped it across a strong chest. Why the fuck is she doing that? They walked into a bathroom and she got a towel and said, here, nigga, handle yourself. They walked into the bathroom and she wet a towel with hot water and wiped it across his strong chest, cleaning the blood splatter and dirt off him. You're beautiful, he whispered, causing her to tense up and stop. Everything about you, Mia Moore, you're dope as fuck. Fly, you shouldn't. Before she could even finish her sentence, he covered her lips with his. It had been so long since she had felt a man against her that she fell into the rhythm. She knew that she should have stopped him, but she didn't. She melted into this young tenderoni, allowing him to pick her up and place her on the sink as he cupped her face with both hands. It felt so good. Too good. It was reminiscent of the way that Carter used to touch her. Carter. As soon as his name appeared in her thoughts, she froze, pulling back. I can't. We we can't. I can't, she whispered. This is a mistake. You can't look at me like that. Any man will look at you like that, he answered. Mia Moore picked up the towel and wet it once more as she sighed. Fly, you're young. You need a young girl. I'm pushing 30, she chuckled. There's nothing fresh about me. You need to get you a good girl, she dismissed. He went on to speak and she placed a finger over his lips. Don't fly. You got one kiss. Let's just leave it at that. I like you. I don't want you to go down that road. It wouldn't go well for you. Carter's away, but he'll be back. And when he gets here, I don't want your loyalty to be tainted. Just forget it ever happened, okay? Plus, nigga, ain't you the one who pulled up on that um Odom nigga for, 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 for money? When Lena was not even kissing him, just kind of thinking that she might be feeling him. Ain't you the one that did that? How the fuck you over here pushing up on Carter's uh wife? How disrespectful is that? Like, you lucky she taking it easy on you. Because that's wild, ruthlessly disrespectful, fam. Let me clean you up, she said, starting again. She stopped when she felt the temptation of his hard body. She passed him the towel. I'll wait in the living room. When he came back out, she stood against the wall with her arms folded. That was so much blood. You were covered in dirt. What'd you do with the bodies? Dig a grave? I dug four, Fly Boogie replied. She looked up at him in shock as he continued to explain. Through the bitch niggas who ratted in with the sharks. I buried the women in an old field. No one's going to find them, don't worry. And if they do, they won't be tied to us. Tossing in the ocean didn't feel right to me. Me and Moore looked up at him, completely understanding where he was coming from. His compassion made him even more attractive. In her younger days, she would have made him hers. But what she didn't know was that she had ruined love for him. Fly Boogie would never give too much of himself to any other woman, all because of Mia Moore. 
She had him mesmerized without even trying. He couldn't be her man. He would be her illest soldier. No questions asked. What the fuck? Where'd this come from? Where's any of this coming from? Again, what the fuck? Have you ever killed anyone, Fly? She asked. I've hit a nigga off before for coming at me. Nothing like tonight, though, he responded truthfully. If that's what I gotta do, I'm with it. Whatever it takes to keep you on the throne, Ma. Anybody who's got a problem with it can get it. You need a finger wrapped around the trigger, I'll pull it every time. She realized why he had come to her home. He was feeling the hangover of homicide, and he wanted her to coach him through it. She took his hand in hers and placed him under the running stream of water as she cleansed him. She hated that she had tasked him with the burden of death. Fly Boogie wasn't a murderer. He would do it if he had to, but he didn't prefer it. He was just a hustler. A damn good one at that. She made a vow to herself not to turn his soul black. What she didn't realize was that Fly Boogie was committed to protecting all that Carter, Zaire, and Monroe had left behind, including their women, especially her. Although she was the one holding everything together, he saw through her visage. Mia Moore hid her weakness as well, but she wasn't Superwoman, and until Carter was home to hold her down, he would have her back. <sighs> Young niggas, I swear to God. Chapter 18 I know of a few Italians in high places. Mia Moore I know Italians in high places. Y'all didn't think I knew that song, huh? Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. Year 2 it's so damn hot here. I thought Miami summers were bad, but this is almost unbearable, Lena huffed as her driver helped her out the SUV. Lisa Matthews, owner of Vegas' most prominent real estate agency, chuckled as she led the way into the condominium. <laughs> Living in the middle of the desert does take some getting used to. I've been here 10 years and it still gets to me sometimes. She waved her hands around at the buildings around them. She waved her hands around the buildings that surrounded them. This is city center. It's the most luxurious property in the entire city. I think you'll love it, she said as she led the way. The beautiful Aria Hotel was inspired by Chinese architecture. It took her breath away as soon as she stepped foot inside. Everything was high quality, from the marble floors to the floating candles hanging from the 50-foot ceilings. It was amazing, and immediately excitement about this new venture filled Lena's chest. If the condos are anything like this casino... I'm already sold, she said. I think that was the designer's intention, Lisa laughed. Let the casino sell the real estate. This way, please, she directed, walking swiftly. They took the residency elevator all the way up to the top floor, where the elevator opened up to a plush 5,000 square foot two-story condominium. It came already furnished, with the best view of the strip and a private plunge pool to match. Lena smiled. This was living. Maybe Vegas won't be so bad, she thought. I love this, she admitted. I have two other ones just like it. One sits atop of the Mandarian Oriental and the other atop the Vidara. Both the same size, different layouts, but equally nice. Designed by the same person. All you and your sister would have to do is move in, Lisa said. It's a done deal, Lena said. Let's talk price. Lena was all about the numbers, and by the time she was done negotiating, she had talked the price down by a quarter million dollars for each condo. Lisa had left out of the deal with only a fifth of her normal commission after Lena was done with her. We're also interested in commercial real estate. 
Casinos in particular, Lena said. Lisa stopped walking. She had been defeated in negotiations with Lena over the condos, but the word casino renewed her. She had never been involved in the purchase of one, but she knew that it was a cash cow. She silently wondered if this lovely black girl in front of her even had enough money to enter the ball game. Vegas was a pay-to-play type of city. I'd be happy to help you. I know a few properties that are on the market, but we're not talking about million-dollar properties here. You would have to have capital in excess of at least $100 million, Lisa informed. There are many moving parts when it comes to the casino business. I can handle the real estate side, but you'll need legal representation, and you'll have to set up a board of trustees amongst many other things. I can get in touch with a few colleagues of mine that can help me execute this kind of deal, but the money would have to be readily available. That's not a problem, Linda replied cockily. Lisa stammered, unable to form words. She had clearly underestimated Lena. She had assumed that she was the girlfriend or wife of some famous athlete. Perfect, Lisa said, getting excited about the potential commission to be made. I just need to see your purchase permits, liquor, and gambling licenses as well to get the process started. It takes 90 days to even hear back from the gambling commission. Acquisition of a casino requires a letter of loan approval as well from the financial institution that's financing you. I'll write down this information, and when you're ready, you can contact me. I'll be happy to assist you with the purchase of the casino, but I must warn you, honey, you don't have the right color skin or the right jewels between your legs. That alone will stop you in a city like Vegas. Old Italian money runs that industry. Lisa handed Lena her card. Lena placed it in her Louis Vuitton clutch and replied, Yeah, well, new black money's coming to town. I suggest they make room. Magdalena, please prepare a bottle for CJ, Mia Moore said as she walked around her new home. It was immaculate, all white with floor-to-ceiling glass windows, and her view was amazing. The entire strip could be seen below her, and the mountains were in the far distance. Aunt Lena really outdid herself, she cooed to her baby boy as she bounced him in her arms. She looked at him. She was completely in love with her son. The past year and a half of her life had been pure hell without Carter. She missed him on a daily, and discovering her way as a mom on her own had not been easy, but she had finally found her groove. With the help of Magdalena, she was doing just fine. She wasn't the typical Susie homemaker, but she loved him all the same. There was something to be said about motherly instinct. Even the most wretched soul could be saved when it came to loving a child, and Mia Moore completely adored hers. CJ was a perfect mix of his parents, and he reminded her of Carter so much that she couldn't help but be completely putty in his hands. He was now one and a half, and the bond they shared amazed her. She had been hardened by life circumstances, but when it came to her son, she was a soft cookie. She couldn't wait for Carter to finish his bid and rejoin their family. Life would be so perfect. Until then, she had to fill his shoes and command an army of goons as they took over a new town. The doorbell rang, and Mia Moore carried CJ with her as she went to answer the door. Breeze and Lena were the only ones who knew where she lived. The rest of the cartel members had been put up in Summerlin, a safe distance away from where the bosses actually rested their heads. The only members that were allowed to be close were Aries and Fly Boogie. They took up residence and rental apartments in the hotel portion of the resort. Hey, she greeted as she allowed them entry. Breeze immediately scooped her nephew from Mia Moore's arms. 
They shared a bond like no other. Breeze loved on her nephews constantly, spoiling both Monroe and Carter's sons as if they were her own. He's getting so big. I can't believe he'll be two in a few weeks, Breeze said as she held him above her head while making love faces at him. I'm throwing him a party, she said. Glad you got so much time on your hands, Mia Moore shot back with a smile. While you're doing that, I'll be dealing with the gaming control board and the gambling commission. They denied my application. We have to have that. You're being boxed out by the Italians, Lena said as she lifted Monroe Jr. up and sat him at the kitchen island. She removed his shoes, kissed his cheek, and then placed him back on the floor. Mia Moore shook her head as she realized the three of them were truly multitasking. Raising children, running an empire, and holding down their men was no easy task, but through sisterhood, they were making it. In that moment, she was truly grateful for Lena and Breeze. It had been an unlikely sisterhood, but somehow it worked. We'll get it. I'm going to make sure of it. I know a few Italians in high places, Mia Moore replied. Mia Moore had known that she would need Timmy Bono sooner or later. A business alliance between the two of them could only prove to be fruitful. He owed her a favor, and she was smart enough to only use it when it was absolutely necessary. This greasy, olive oil-smelling motherfucker is just what I need to get by in this town, she said. Racism. Timmy Two-Time Bonner was old mafia, and he had much respect in the game. Just because he had never been to Las Vegas didn't mean that the Italians who ran the city had never heard of him. They knew exactly who he was, so when he requested a sit-down, they obliged. They just didn't know that he'd be bringing a guest along with him. Really? Seriously? We're doing this right now? Okay, cool. Let me do the talking, toots, he said as he smashed out his cigarette on the brick exterior of the butcher shop that they were about to enter. Just stand next to me and look pretty. She smirked, but didn't respond. She would let him think that he was running the show, for now. As soon as she entered the shop, the smell of blood overwhelmed her. Italians were all about their produce, and fresh meats and cheese lay behind the glass freezer cases. It smelled like a slaughterhouse, and her stomach turned as they bypassed the front, walking directly to the back. A bulky, overweight man stood off to the side and allowed Timmy to pass, but he stopped Mia Moore dead in her tracks, pushing her chest slightly. This is Gucci, you fat fuck, he said in irritation as she slapped his hand away. She's with me, Timmy Bono said. His words were like magic. He might as well have said abracadabra because suddenly the big man magically had a change of heart, letting her walk by. A card game was taking place inside of a walk-in deep freezer, and to her surprise, a man hung in the corner, hogtied and hanging by his hands as he shivered uncontrollably. Mia Moore didn't flinch. She had done worse in her day, so the bloody man before her was all in a day's work. This wasn't some rival drug crew in Opelika or a hustler on the come up in Carroll City. The Italians weren't running an amateur show. They were a crime syndicate that had reigned over Las Vegas for years. She was well aware of her adversary, but they were unaware of theirs. Who's the girl? One of the men asked as he filled the air with putrid cigar smoke. A friend, Timmy Bono stated. Timmy Two-Time, you're always welcome to Las Vegas. Chicago's where the bosses reside. They've spoken highly of you. Your rank is recognized here. This Muliano, we don't know. You shouldn't have brought her here. This Muliano's name is Mia Moore, 
and I run the cartel from Miami, she said, speaking up for herself. The silence that fell over the room let her know that they had heard of the cartel before. You're a long way from Miami, Mr. Cigar said as he held his cards close to his chest. He didn't give her the respect of looking at her as he spoke, but the other men at the table stared intently. I'm here to buy a casino. After being denied a license, I was told to come here. Apparently, the gambling commission has a commission. I take it that this is it, she commented. I come in peace and offering 5% of my earnings to you, Mr. Salerno, the old man huffed. In addition to my 5%, I come with a gift, she said. She placed a suitcase in front of him. A million dollars. No pressure, just a gift. I hope that my application can be reconsidered. I've done square business with Mr. Bono. I know that it's necessary for me to have an Italian presence in my casino. I'm prepared to offer him a position on the board to represent the interests of the Italian community. Smart girl, Salerno stated. He didn't even pop open the briefcase. He simply slid it to the man sitting at his left and said, put that up. We done here? Are you going to interrupt my card game all day? Mia Moore contained her smile because she knew that by accepting the money, he was accepting her terms. Had Carter walked into the joint, they would have never done business with him. Italians hated black men, but they loved black women, and Salerno could get used to the pretty young thing with an attitude that had waltzed into his butcher shop. He had a hard-on for Mia Moore. Her skin tone, the contours of her hips, her breasts, even her pretty face. He lusted after it all. There was no way he was turning her down. At least not until after he had sampled what was between her legs. Y'all don't like us, huh? For real? Italians? You, you don't? You don't? I mean, I, what? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I'm not even joking. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, I, I just... I thought that everybody was racist back in the 60s and 70s. So when I saw it on like the Sopranos and folks were calling black folks niggers, I just thought it was the 60s and 70s when I saw that movie. But y'all just don't like us, huh? Don't fuck with us. That's sad. That's sad y'all don't fuck with Death Row. Because honestly, I like Italian food more than anything else. So I'm in y'all faces all goddamn day. I'm gonna eat the food. Also, Mario's my motherfucker. So we got to come together. We got to figure something out because I'm not going to stop playing as Luigi. I don't really use Mario if I can help because Luigi's the younger brother and I feel that. But y'all don't fuck with Death Row? Y'all don't fuck with Ratchet Book Club? I know some of y'all niggas. Some of y'all niggas listening to it right now. I know y'all niggas. Y'all don't fuck with us? I mean, on the other hand, I don't know too many Italian men. That may be the difference. Italian women love the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Take that. Have a good day, she said as she turned around. Bono, pull up a chair. Deal him in, Salerno stated. Oh yeah, and toots, he said to Mia Moore just as she reached the door. She rolled her eyes. Apparently, it was the nickname that all Italian men had reserved just for her. Make that 10%, and if you ever cross me, I'll cut your pretty fucking tongue out of your mouth and lick my balls with it, eh? Mia Moore smirked before turning on her heels and walking out, completely satisfied. She was one step closer to fulfilling Carter's dream. By the time he came home, his casino would be up and running. This is all you get in Las Vegas for $100 million.
Lena said skeptically as she turned up her nose at the old, musty hotel and casino. The machines were old and outdated. The furniture, rickety and rusty. Breeze, Lena, and Mia Moore looked around, slightly taken aback. It was scheduled for demolition, Lisa Matthews said as she held out her hands. You didn't pay for the building. It was a location that cost you. You're right on the south end of the strip. Your location alone is worth at least three times more than what you paid. A little TLC will have this place up and running. The real estate agent tried to sound optimistic, but even she wasn't buying the load of crap that was falling out of her mouth. All the three of you have to do is sign right here on the dotted line, and this property will be yours. Mia Moore breathed deeply as a heavy feeling sank into her chest. This was the moment they had all been waiting on, but she couldn't help but feel overwhelmed. She had never had to make moves on behalf of anyone but herself. She wished Carter was free. Letters and phone calls weren't enough to fill the void that he had left in her life. She had been making plans, executing plays, and moving on his behalf. There was no way to let him know about everything that went down before she did it. So she was playing so much by ear in hopes that she was acting in accord to what he wanted. Was this the property that he would want? Would he be displeased that she had cut a deal with the Italians in order to make it happen? Mia Moore was so unsure about so many things, but it was too late to back out now. She took the pen from Lisa's hand and reluctantly provided her signature. Lena signed next, and then Breeze. Congratulations, Lisa said as she tucked the paperwork securely in her briefcase. You're not a proud owner of... The woman paused and said, What are you going to name it? The Da Vinci, Mia Moore replied. Has a nice ring to it, Breeze stated. How'd you come up with that? Because I'm going to make this a work of art, Mia Moore answered surely. Lena pulled a bottle of champagne out of her oversized bag and popped the top. The girl squealed in excitement as the bubbles overflowed. We don't have glasses, Breeze said. Then hit it like a thug, B. Stop being so prissy, Lena teased. Breeze laughed as she tilted her head back as Lena poured champagne in her mouth. The girls laughed as they each drank a bit in honor of their first official day as owners of the Da Vinci Resort and Casino. 916-633-1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter Ratchet Book Club on Facebook uh, You can leave a review on Podchaser Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts. Copy and paste that in the Good Pods. Thank you to everybody who's been checking us out on Good Pods as well as on Apple Podcasts, I guess, but really on Podchaser. Podchaser and Good Pods are the two. Like, those are, they fuck with independent podcasters, and that's big for me. Um, also, if you want to leave a donation, you could leave a donation at patreon.com slash single simulcast. Or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. There's a tip jar. Each uh, donation will go towards buying books for this show and for buying movies for hindsight. Thank you all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.
intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.